This is Jim Mosley, your host on the Bible History Guy radio broadcast, sponsored by Winterwood Creative. We're dedicated to turning doubt into Christian faith through facts. So if you have questions about God or the Bible that you would like answered, you can reach me through our website, www.thebiblehistoryguy.com. Or you can email me directly at jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. That's jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. Today's broadcast comes from my latest book, The Biographies of Jesus' Apostles. Most readers of the Bible have only a vague notion of who Jesus' apostles were, how they were related to each other, and what exactly they did. This book takes readers alongside the apostles, reveals the world through their eyes, and accurately retraces every known step of their lives. Life of Peter, Part 2 When Jesus washed his disciples' feet before the Last Supper, he came first to Peter. Peter protested that he should be the one to wash Jesus' feet. But Jesus said that if Peter did not accept, Peter would have no part in him. So Peter cried, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. After singing hymns at the end of the meal, Jesus warned that all the disciples would fall away because of him that night, but that Jesus would be struck down, raised, and go ahead of them into Galilee. This must have been thoroughly baffling. How could he die tomorrow and also go ahead of them back home safe to Galilee? Peter protested, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. But Jesus told Peter, This very night, before a rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter insisted, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And all the other disciples said the same. Peter asked John, who is reclining near Jesus, to ask Jesus who he thought would betray him. Jesus told John that it was the man to whom he would give a morsel of food. Jesus gave that morsel to Judas Iscariot, who then left the room on his treasonous mission. That night, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Gethsemane means Garden of the Olive Press, with his disciples. He told eight of them to sit aside, but he took just three, Peter and James and John, with him to an isolated place where he began to grieve and feel great distress. He asked the three disciples to keep watch with him and went to a place a little beyond. After praying in anguish, Jesus returned to find them sleeping. He asked Peter, Could you not keep watch with me one hour? Keep watching and praying that you might not enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then he went and prayed a second time, and came back and found them sleeping again. He did not wake them, but went and prayed again for the Father's will, not his to be done. He came back to the three disciples and said, Are you still sleeping? Get up, let us go. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. When the temple soldiers seized Jesus, and by the way, these were temple soldiers, Jewish soldiers, not Romans, Peter cut off the ear of Malchus, a servant of the high priest. Obviously, Peter had prepared for this abortive attempt to defend Jesus' life. Peter knew from Jesus' rebuke at Caesarea Philippi two years ago that Jesus expected to be killed. Prophecy had to run its course. More than that, Jesus had called Peter Satan for wishing to defend Jesus from death. Peter must have assumed that he could arm himself with a weapon and defend Jesus even against his will 
So Peter procured a sword. In fact, at the Last Supper, the disciples showed Jesus that they had two swords, to which Jesus replied, It is enough. Jesus would say, later that night, that he could call on the Father for twelve legions of angels if he wanted to. When the time came to use his sword, Peter missed. He sliced off Malchus' ear. It's hard to believe that that's what Peter was aiming at. He was not trying to warn Malchus off. He was trying to defend Jesus, and that meant killing Malchus along with anyone else who threatened his rabbi. He was doubtless aiming at Malchus' skull. Jesus told Peter to put away his sword, saying that those who live by the sword die by it. Then, astonishingly, Jesus healed Malchus' ear. At Jesus' trial, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard of the home of the high priest. A servant girl eyed Peter closely and said to the people standing by, This man also was with him. Then she said directly to Peter, You also were with Jesus the Nazarene. You are not one of his disciples, are you? Peter replied, I neither know nor understand what you mean. I am not. And the rooster crowed the first time. When Peter went out to the entrance of the courtyard, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. This man is one of them. Then she said directly to Peter, You also are one of them. But Peter denied it with an oath, saying, I do not know the man. Then one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of Malchus, the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? The other bystanders crowded around Peter, saying, Certainly you are one of them. Your accent betrays you. You are a Galilean. Peter began to evoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man of whom you speak. And the rooster crowed a second time. Peter then remembered how Jesus had said to him at the Last Supper, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter had done just that. As the mob led Jesus out of the high priest's house, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Their eyes met. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Judas sold Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times, cursing and swearing. Both were guilty and felt guilty. But Judas did not seek God's forgiveness. He committed suicide. Peter confessed, repented sought forgiveness, and received it. On Resurrection Sunday, Mary Magdalene ran to Peter and John with news of the empty tomb. John outran Peter and reached the tomb first, and he stooped to look in, but he didn't enter right away. Peter boldly entered first and saw the linen shrouds lying there and Jesus' face cloth rolled up by itself. Now, this may not mean, as some assert, that Jesus or an angel calmly folded the shrouds after Jesus' resurrection to show that God is in no haste or that he's neat. Jesus' resurrection body, which later that evening would pass through closed doors, probably also just passed through these mummy-like winding sheets. They remained folded, that is wrapped, but empty. This is an additional testimony that Jesus' body was not stolen. Thieves would either have taken the winding sheets with them or torn them off in their haste to escape detection by the guards, whose duty it was to arrest or kill anyone violating their watch. John then entered the tomb and believed, but what did he believe? The Bible says the disciples did not yet understand that Jesus must rise again from the dead. John believed the tomb was empty, 
and that God was somehow at work, but he didn't comprehend in what way. Peter and John went back to where they were staying, probably in the upper room, leaving Mary Magdalene to be the first to meet the risen Lord. Well, then on that same day, the risen Jesus met Peter privately sometime between morning and evening on Resurrection Sunday. Mark, Luke, and Paul all recorded this, but they gave no details of the encounter. That's in Mark 16.7, Luke 24.34, and 1 Corinthians 15.5. This appearance to Peter is significant. Probably Jesus knew how deep Peter's grief was at having denied him three times. The intimate appearance of Jesus to Peter allowed Peter to experience Jesus' kindly mercy, to know that he was forgiven, and to understand that his mission in Christ had only just begun. Late in the afternoon on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus appeared to two followers on the Emmaus Road, one named Cleophas and a companion. They broke bread with Jesus at sunset. Only then did they recognize him. Then he vanished from their presence. Cleophas and his companion hurried back to Jerusalem to meet the eleven disciples, only to find them in a state of great excitement, for the risen Lord had already met Peter. Thomas left the room. As Cleophas and everyone else were still speaking, Jesus appeared to the ten disciples, to Cleophas and to his companion, and to others assembled in the upper room that resurrection Sunday evening. The following Monday, Jesus appeared again to the eleven disciples in the same place, with Thomas present. Then seven disciples, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two others unnamed, went back to Galilee. Peter said, I'm going fishing. His friends went with him. They fished until daybreak, but caught nothing. Jesus stood on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. He said, boys, you don't have any fish, do you? They said, no. Jesus said, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll have a catch. So they did, and could not haul in the net because of the great number of fish they caught. John said to Peter, It is the Lord. Peter put on his outer garment and plunged into the sea. Why did he get dressed to swim? Because the Bible says he was gymnos in Greek or naked. A gymnasium was a place where athletes exercised naked. The outer garment an ependidis in Greek, is a blouse or a tunic, not a coat, as some Bibles translate it. So Peter was probably wearing a loincloth, our equivalent of shorts, while fishing. When he saw Jesus, out of respect, he threw on a shirt and went swimming to meet him. The others followed ashore, bringing the boat and its net full of fish. They found Jesus tending a charcoal fire with fish and bread already on it. Jesus, who could feed 5,000 out of two fishes and five loaves, did not need their catch to make breakfast. But graciously, Jesus said, Bring some of the fish you caught. Peter, the consummate fisherman, not only brought them, but carefully counted 153 large fish and noted that even with such a big haul, the net was not torn. One can imagine Jesus enjoying his friend's very human enthusiasm as they counted the fish and inspected the net. This was the third time the resurrected Jesus appeared to his disciples. In one of the most moving dialogues of scripture, Jesus compassionately echoed Peter's three denials. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Greek commonly uses four words to mean love. Agape, which means love. Philia, which means friendship. Storgi, which means affection. And eros, which means lust. The first and second times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He used the Greek word agapas, referring to the noblest form of love. The third time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He used the Greek word philis, meaning, are you my friend? Jesus' choice of words was touchingly personal, but also echoed what Jesus had said about himself, recorded by John, the gospel writer. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus was saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me enough to give your life for me? Then Jesus revealed that Peter would give his life as that kind of friend. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young... You used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This Jesus said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. Today's broadcast comes from my latest book, The Biographies of Jesus' Apostles. This book is a great study guide resource, and you can get your copy online wherever books are sold. Or you can go to our website, The Bible History Guy, and find the direct link to the Amazon Kindle version of the book or to a paperback version by the publisher Whip and Stock. Just go to thebiblehistoryguy.com. And you can reach me directly by email, jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. 